Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We move into the final hour of trading on this Thursday, May 4th. We have got the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all declining right now. Lower little change. Stocks have been fluctuating amid a flurry of corporate earnings reports. Brent, though, the big story sliding below $50 a barrel for the first time since March. And the route in metals prices is worsening. Treasury slumping down 10, uh, 30 seconds. Yield there 2.35%. Right now, the S&P is down a point at 23.87. Little change down less than one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down 27, down one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ down by half a point, also little changed. As for the Federal Reserve and interest rates, Dan Skelly is the head of Equity Model Portfolio Solutions at Morgan Stanley, and he was interviewed this morning on Bloomberg Television. They are raising rates, and we are starting to see on the margin, we're starting to see credit indicators whether it's loan growth on the commercial real estate side or particularly in the auto side, they are starting to slow down. So you are starting to see some tightening, particularly in those areas of the economy that uh, experienced a V-shaped recovery off of 0809, like auto. And this update is brought to you by Red Hat, whose broad portfolio of open source technologies for the enterprise helps get you from where you are to where you want to be. Red Hat. The open technology to help you realize your vision. Learn more at redhat.com slash open tech. People familiar with the matter say the operator of the Joe's Crab Shack and Brickhouse Tavern restaurant chains is preparing to file for bankruptcy. Those people say Ignite Restaurant Group could file as soon as next week. S&P down half a point to 2387, a drop there of less than one-tenth of one percent. Gold down 28 to the ounce to 1227, down 1.7%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie, thank you so much. We are counting you down to the closing bell. A little bit less than one hour until that close. It is brought to you by Upside. The smart new way to buy travel is Upside.com. Save money and get a free gift card every trip. Use code BUSINESS and you're guaranteed at least a $100 gift card your first time using Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. You are listening to Bloomberg. I am your father. This isn't Springsteen. Is he, is he, is he doing cover for Star Wars, Dave Wilson? Dave Wilson Stock Center joins us right now with his chart <laughs> of the day, and his theme music for the chart is the Star Wars theme? What? May the 4th be with you. Oh, my God. Wow. Just, just kill his mic now. That's it. We're done. Thank you very much. We're done. Dave Wilson. Joining us right now is Carl Ricadano, our chief. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Moving on. Moving on. Well, Let thanks. the fourth be with you. Really, Dave? Hey, big oh, deal yeah. today. I mean, uh, right. look around. It's everywhere. And, uh, you know, how do I tie this into the chart? Well, look at it this way. You know, how many people have gone out to see Star Wars movies or bought the toys or whatever? You know, you can My take- lightsaber, it's with me at all times. Oh, yeah? Yes. All right, then. Well, we're talking about, you know, part of a much broader category when you look at stocks called consumer discretionary. Okay, uh, and, and that's the way that uh, you see a whole bunch of companies classified within the S&P 500 and other indexes. You compare that with the makers of consumer staples, food, beverage, tobacco, and you, know, you have sort of a different relationship to the economy. And uh, Andrew Adams, who's a research assistant over at Raymond James, 
he looked at a ratio between the S&P 500 consumer discretionary and consumer staples indexes. And when you run that comparison, you find out this week that it rose to the highest level since 2001. So we're going back 16 years there, all, almost exactly 16 years as it turns out. So why does that matter? Because Adams looks at it as an indicator of investors' willingness to take risk. Are we in a risk-on market or a risk-off market? You know, it's kind of hard to tell if you're just looking at the S&P 500 because it basically hasn't gone anywhere for a week and a half. But when you look at this particular indicator, Adams figures that maybe this is a sign of more to come but why, and that investors are feeling more speculative again. Why consumer stocks more than any others? Well, simply because you have that sort of basic contrast. Discretionary. I mean, people can pull back on that kind of spending right, right. when they're not doing so well, whereas they're going to go out and buy food and, and stuff to drink. And the whatnot. stocks that he's tracking more than he's tracking the actual uh, economic results of the businesses. Yeah, but, they, but it gets – I feel – for such a smart guy, Dave, I'm almost amazed at that question. Really? Yeah. I mean, right? Because look, wow. we, we saw the economic fallout, right? I mean, people pull back. They buy the things, paper to, or toilet paper, things that they have to buy, toothpaste, but you don't go out and necessarily and buy that extra pair of shoes or something. Exactly. Or, or go out to restaurants, correct? You know, I thought you were going to bring up something about Amazon, Corey, because I've had a couple of folks kind of push back on the idea because they say Amazon is kind of skewing the comparisons. But if you want to look at this indicator uh, as a, a gauge of investors' willingness to take risks, I would just point out Amazon's estimated price-earnings ratio based on this year's projections for, for profit, 136. You want to talk about a poster child for risk-taking? You know, the broader category in which Amazon is included certainly would fit that bill. Anyway, if you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get to the chart, the explanation that goes with it. And everything I do going forward, the email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. So now let's bring in Carl Cardona, our chief U.S. economist here at our Bloomberg Intelligence team. Uh, of course, Bloomberg Intelligence, our in-house group of analysts. You're listening to Dave talk about kind of the contrast between consumer uh, discretionary and consumer staples. And I know we had a bunch of economic news. Any thoughts on that? Well, as we look at consumer spending, I mean, it, there there seems to be a solid case to be made that uh, motor vehicle sales are uh, topping out for the cycle, and maybe there's not much demand on that side, uh, at least, or at least additional growth. However, I think we are getting to a point in the cycle where uh, consumers are at at the stage where they have a little extra income in their pocket and can uh, unleash that for uh, discretionary items. Uh, so there may be some uh, some some credence or some economic support to uh, what uh, Dave is uh, highlighting here, and this is going to be a key focus in tomorrow's jobs report because right. we had uh, a stu- we talk about uh, consumer discretionary uh, trends, and uh, this comes on the heels of a very lousy uh, Q1 uh, economic performance, which was uh, mainly attributable to soft consumer spending. However, it looks to be a fluke. And uh, that means the focus in the jobs report and a lot of the upcoming data is going to be just to confirm uh, what the Fed is saying, that uh, OQ1 was transitory and it's noise, don't pay too much attention to it, uh, but we need to just confirm that something uh, more nefarious is not uh, uh, taking place in the economy right now and, and uh, watch to see that consumer income and consumer spending is bouncing back in the current quarter. Things must not be too bad. I noticed a new pocket square or two, perhaps. 
from Corey Johnson. So he's out there. No, doing my new pocket square is from you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a brilliant um, present. But, uh, discretionary spending. It's discretionary spending, indeed. And, but, Carl, you know, I, I really – that transitory line uh, obviously jumped out at all of us uh, as, soon, as soon as it, it crossed. And uh, that does seem to be the, the takeaway. But – I mean, boy, the, the, a bunch of the economic data was, was, it wasn't just one number that was bad in GDP. It wasn't just one number in jobs that was bad. It wasn't just auto sales that were bad. It's a bunch of bad numbers, or at least numbers pointed in the wrong direction for a, a Fed that clearly wants to hike. It was a confluence of events, uh, absolutely, uh, and that led to that very unusual fingerprint for uh, consumer spending last quarter. It's not just auto sales. It was uh, a lot of retail categories. Uh, you saw some weakness in inflation. So uh, the Fed did uh, give themselves an exit ramp and say it was likely transitory, meaning that uh, if we find out that uh, uh, there was a, a bigger problem in the economy or a more sustained soft patch uh, as we uh, get some uh, actual data for the current quarter, that and they could they could call off the uh, June hike, but uh, I, I don't think that we're at that uh, stage right now. And I would just point out that the S and P index comparison kind of bears out Carl's point. Okay. Just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, Dave, Dave, what's the equity? I mean, what is the equity backdrop as we head into the jobs report tomorrow? Well, I mean, you look at a market that really has been struggling for direction. The S&P 500 swinging within a range of about eight-tenths of a percentage point over the last eight trading days. We're talking about basically no direction at all. So the real question is whether the jobs report changes anything enough to kind of push stocks out of that range. We'll have to wait for that. And. I'll just say very quickly, uh, a strong jobs report, stronger than expected, doesn't really change the game that much. If you get another weak jobs report, then that that's what uh, the market's going to be more sensitive to. Then we'll start to see if things aren't maybe so transitory. Dave Wilson, thank you so much. Our stocks editor at Bloomberg News. And, of course, our thanks to Carl Ricadano, our chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg Intelligence, right here on Bloomberg Radio. Let's get some world of national news headlines with Nathan Hager, who is in our 991 studios in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Corey. Well, they did it by the thinnest of margins, but the House has passed the Republican replacement for the Affordable Care Act, 217 to 213. Twenty Republicans joined every Democrat in voting against this bill. I think there is no question that Democrats won the debate. The Republicans have the majority. They won the vote. House Democratic Leader Nancy Pelosi. Now this bill moves to the Senate, where Republicans are already talking about crafting a bill of their own. The key is this bill is pretty unpopular. You know, it's not like it's coming over with a bunch of fanfare. They're looking at polls. They're looking at complaints from providers in their states. They want something that's going to be a lot more popular and safe for them to vote for. Bloomberg News Senate reporter Stephen Dennis. President Trump plans to make remarks about the health bill from the White House Rose Garden. In fact, House Republicans are gathering there as we speak. Those remarks set for 3.30 Wall Street time. You'll hear them live here on Bloomberg Radio. Centrist French presidential candidate Emmanuel Macron has held his last rally in southwestern France before Sunday's runoff, calling on voters from left and right to make what he calls the choice of hope and reject what he says is Marine Le Pen's authoritarian, anti-European, anti-nationalist project. Former President Barack Obama is endorsing Macron. He has stood up for liberal values. He put forward a vision for the important role that France plays in Europe and around the world. And he is committed to a better future for the French people. The Macron campaign posted that minute-long video on its Twitter feed today. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries in Washington. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg.